0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to wherever you are listening to what is another episode of We Are Alchemists. And I always say this, but I'm very excited about this episode because I am joined by Millie, who you all know already, but also our newest joiner, Vincent, our CFO. So, Vincent, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the alchemists that are listening? Hi, thank you very much for uh, giving me this opportunity. Um, First, I'm
1: going to say by saying I'm a French guy, so sorry for my accent for everybody uh, listening on the podcast.
0: My French is terrible, Vincent, don't (laughs) worry.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to try to do that. Um, I joined as CFO, um, and I'm very excited by this opportunity. I have a long history of uh, uh, corporate finance, uh, and we can go further in details uh, if you wish, but... uh, I think this is uh, this is fantastic for me to, with the background that I have of both internet, like version one back in the late '90s, and the scale-ups uh, companies in the SaaS industry or um, service industries where I've been through, uh, that I can bring that to the team where everybody is very welcoming and willing to share the knowledge in an area that I
0: have pretty much no expertise, which (laughs) is the crypto world. (laughs) But I think like one of the the things that I enjoy talking to you about the most is the fact that you've seen adoption of new technology in the past, right? Like you were around when Web2 blew up, you know?
1: I was around where Web1 started, so (laughs) back in the late 90s, and when people, when I, I remember, so I joined DoubleClick, uh, back in 1998, DoubleClick, for those who don't know, was then acquired by Google uh, and is now the infrastructure for CL, uh, for Google doing the advertising business. We created at DoubleClick the online advertising industry. Um, we were the first one providing with initially with what was called a network, so putting together a bunch of websites and offering to sell their inventory, to advertisers who wanted to communicate to an audience but didn't know how to reach that online audience that was emerging. And then we offered technology services for the websites themselves, which was the first kind of ad servers. And also we were doing, it was really now it's word that everybody uses, but back then was very new concept, the software as a service. One of our only competitor was called NetGravity at the time, and they were still selling an ad server on a CD that people had to install (laughs) on their servers. No way. Yes, I've seen that, and when DoubleClick, when we decided to launch the ad serving uh, software as a service, so DFP, DFA, for those who know, um, then uh, that was completely new at the time.
0: So, and just so the DFP is double click for publishers, DFA, double click for advertisers, which were the two sides that serviced publishers and advertisers, which if you listen to these podcasts before, you know that we love. And I think that, again, what's very interesting to me is that like, you have done it before, right? Like, you know, the, the snakes, the ladders, what we should do well, what we shouldn't do well. And I like, I have learned a lot from kind of working for you in this short time already, and yeah, I'm excited to see what we can learn from your experience, basically. And, and so so
1: also what's nice at DoubleClick back then, we also were constantly looking for new ways to um, ease the life of the whole user community, so the advisor publishers, and so on. And mm-hmm. we realized then, and this is where um, Alchemy is now stepping in, we realized then that um, we needed to create a platform for the ad units to be exchanged and that the most efficient way to do that for both parties was through the auction process and this is Mm -hmm. when the ad exchange was created and now we are Alchemy, we are stepping in that space and um, I think it's fantastic that something that technology, a solution that has been around for 20 years which is kind of a long time already especially in tech world um, as almost never really been challenged. And I think it's great that now with Alchemy and um, taking advantage of blockchain, a new technology layer um, that is going to make things uh, more efficient, uh, we can go challenge
0: that here here completely agree with that mate
2: do you know Um, know what's really interesting i saw on linkedin today and he's actually been on our podcast so justin payton he did a post about um web3 and he said the shift from in particularly in programmatic advertising but said the shift is going from go to market to go to community from persona to identity and then audience to protagonist so shifting and i the reason i say is because you discuss user and it being addressed to the user um, but the way the shift is now that Web3 is promising to give the control back to the user and giving people their ownership over their data. And I think probably that's the biggest shift I've noticed in terms of like old school, like you discussed. And old school. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the shift into Web3. Um, but...
1: Clearly, there are areas where Web 1, Web 2 have, I mean, everybody can have view on that, but gone a little bit wrong about data ownership, and this is why we had the regulators come in yep. and put things to, um, like, GDPR and so on, to prevent really the worst scenarios to happen. Mm. Um, it again, back then, it was not even a question. We were just happy to have free content, free services, free whatever as web users. Um, but where I think the audience word to go back to your thing, where I think the audience word is um, will still survive, is that especially in the advertising world, the money is going to go to the audience. Mm-hmm. We've seen the shift of the advertising budgets from newspaper to radio to TV, then to the web, just because this is where the audience was, and this is so. This is where the advertisers are going to put their money, and one day, if it's not happening already the audience is being more, or now, then after the web, you have the social networks and so on, but then it's going to be the metaverse, the you yeah. know, mm-hmm. uh, Fortnite and whatever, uh, wherever people are going to spend time, wherever there will be in audience, then there will be advertising money flowing through. Mm-hmm. And part of the missions I think that we have, and uh, we should have, we're going to have, after bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 with the technology is also to be able to be the infrastructure for Web3 as you need serving to make sure that whenever the audience is there and whenever the advertising money flows into the Web3 environments, the metaverses and whatever you want to call them, that we can also provide the infrastructure for that just like DoubleClick 20 years ago was the infrastructure 25 years ago? Uh, was the infrastructure? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Sorry. Uh, I'm old. Um, experienced. Experienced. Uh, just like uh, seasoned. Yeah. Just like a like, fine wine, you know? Just they like say. a fine French wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, um,
0: I don't know. You lost
1: me now.
2: <laughs> well,
0: I think we were, we were talking about moving on. So, like, after Double Click, where did you go next? So after
1: DoubleClick, I went to a company that um, is called Tuluna. We mm, and something that DoubleClick, Tuluna, Alchemy have in common is, for me as an individual, it's crucial that I have this kind of what I call the frontier symptom, yeah. that I don't know what is behind the hills. I nobody has set foot on that planet or whatever. Tuluna, we what we yeah. did is. Um, uh, on the market research uh, industry, we moved that from a traditional like calls and these kind of things to online surveys. Mm-hmm. Again, that was back in 2005. Um, at that time, the the online was not there yet. And we uh, adopted also Web2. We were early adopters of Web 2. Uh, techniques I'm going to say where we started to do self-generated poll, um, and and so we uh, as a company it was a fantastic place to be uh, we were, I joined the company uh, and it was 25 people we had just listed on the I.M. market and within 4 years we grew from 25 to 800 employees through organic growth and through acquisitions at the end, we had offices from Australia to the East Coast in the US. I remember days like waking up at 6.30 to, do, um, to be on the phone with an advisor in Australia and then finishing my day at 10 p.m. to be on the phone with my team on the East Coast. Uh, it was very, very difficult days, but a fantastic experience. And again, I loved the fact that we were building, we were scaling, and... Um, As we were listed, we had some constraints, obviously, but we could not do just anything. And it was very good experience for me in terms of learnings um, in many, many areas, like creating legal entities all over the place, managing Mm -hmm. the books for all of these entities, making sure that we're compliant everywhere and organizing all the processes, um, doing a a secondary offer um, as we had to finance an acquisition um towards uh, in 2009 um when uh, actually this just to let you know this shows this acquisition shows that in every crisis or whatever there are also opportunities totally yeah and mm-hmm. every time the market is down or whatever people here in the podcast if they are crypto buyers or whatever traders uh they know that but uh we if you for those who remember or who have read in history books, <laughs> in 2008 there was a big liquidity crisis on mm-hmm. the markets mm-hmm. and um, one of our one of the, um, the players in, in the industry was in, and there, there were several businesses but they were bought over by Microsoft mm-hmm. and Microsoft wanted to get rid of the, uh, the business that was very specific to market research they had organized for it to be bought over by an LBO fund, but <coughs> with the liquidity issue, the LBO fund just stopped the deal. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we had a chance to buy over that business with a massive discount. Mm-hmm. And that allowed us to have mm-hmm. a massive footprint in the U.S. market as a French-based company, yep. even through we were listed in the IM. Um, but that that example that just shows that you even through you always need to know where you want to go there are always opportunities that are created even when the weather is bad totally
0: I think there's um it's interesting you mentioned that I've seen on LinkedIn and in articles that in 2008 the FT actually took out a billboard and it was a a billboard that had, had all the ads scraped off of it and then just in the top right hand corner was like this is the mistake that every company going to make which can be seen as a little bit facetious you know like if you have the choice between cutting marketing spend and keeping employees is obviously an obvious answer to that but I think it is very interesting that if we are moving towards a recession of sorts again like Alchemy in particular, we're offering a significantly more cost effective way to advertise Mm -hmm. so you don't have to make that difficult decision anymore. It's like you're still going to get good value for money from your advertising if you work with Alchemy because you're not wasting that money in fees, you're seeing more data so the advertising is actually more effective and it's an easier, more defendable cost on your P&L, right?
2: And I think actually when you talk about this stuff is that I don't think innovation happens when things are going well a lot of the time and I think a really unique example is I know during lockdown there was a lot of train stations there was um, vending machines and obviously those vending machines weren't being used so this bloke went and bought loads of these vending machines when no one else wanted them and then as people were coming back to work and they needed a mask at the station because it was a legal requirement to get on the train he filled the vending machines full of face masks and he made a fortune from it. And that is innovation coming from mm. a challenging period of time, which is kind of what we saw in conversations we've had um, in Cannes and stuff like that. Um, people are needing to innovate in order to meet their new budgets, etc. When,
1: when you're not in a crisis, you're kind of business as usual mode. Mm-hmm. And when you're in business as usual it's just business as usual. Mm. You renew the contract. Yes, there is some pressure. You have a CFO who says you need to reduce your budget or mm. whatever all, all the time. But generally speaking, it's kind of you repeat doing things. And this is a, when you have some pressure on the economy, this is also a great time for new business. Mm. If, if you think about it back, I'm thinking about double click now again, but in the mid 90s, 97, something like that, there was also kind of a real estate crisis and that created pressure and it disturbed things. So we had, and we have the same now, we have a combination of both, um, I'm gonna say a disturbed environment, Mm -hmm. economically speaking, plus a massive technical or technological innovation and when you have these two together that people are willing to change and there is an offer of a change, then you have a massive opportunity to uh,
0: move forward and, and, and kind of create a new wave. Mm. Yeah, there's. Um, I was reading about this yesterday. There's a, there's a paradox called the beta region paradox, right? Which is <laughs> if something isn't very bad people are very willing to spend a long time in that situation, which is like kind of passable and you become like comfortably numb to it. So like you move into a flat, there's mold on the ceiling. You know, it's not good, but it's not affecting you every single day. Mm -hmm. If you moved into a flat and there was a hole in the ceiling so that rain was coming through, it wasn't secure, you would immediately change that situation very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Both things are true. Whereas if you had solved the problem, you'd be better off if that's just the mold or the hole, but you solve the whole issue way quicker because it is more acute a problem, you know? So like, again, to reiterate your point, I'm very bullish about what we're doing because if the pain for marketers or the world gets a little bit more acute, people are going to be wanting to fix that situation significantly sooner than they would Mm -hmm. if it was just everything was just okay. And I think that is probably a very good analogy for, the programmatic market at large you know like it's everything's been okay you know like the margins haven't been quite what we wanted to your cpms are a bit too high or it was a bit annoying to see a lot of ads as a user but it wasn't acute enough to really fix the issue so like moving into that with what we're building i think puts us in an amazing spot to really just help out publishers advertisers and us using the internet
2: i feel like we had a conversation and it couldn't have been more than six or nine months ago where we were speaking to someone and they said that um someone's not going to get fired for staying with the same solution they will if they go with a new one. And that was at the time. Right. And that was what was being faced is like, people aren't going to be sacked if what they continue to do is going well. But with the shift in the economic position, the technological position with cookies, et cetera, people are being forced to move and change like you're saying. Yeah. And I think if we had that same conversation now that as we did nine months ago, uh, the outcome would be really different. Mm. Um, and it's just really interesting to see how, like you said, now there's less comfort and things are less sort of set in stone. People are more willing to change, which is...
1: And, and at the same time, over 20 years, I've seen, I've witnessed, um, even through it was relatively distant sometimes, but uh, the, uh, the massive innovation that have been done on the advertising mar- on the online advertising Crazy. market. Crazy, yeah. Every, it, it, it's such a massive market. Um, that everybody tries to optimize to the very, very, very limit of everything mm-hmm. and therefore you have a, for any ad units that is served it's insane but there is like 10, 12, 15, I don't know how many pieces of software of technology that are being used each time to optimize every single bit. Um, so it, it, it's interesting because it has it has really again because it's such a massive total addressable market, it has been optimized and optimized and optimized, but it's kind of the same, a little bit better, uh, because we've been using, that's my belief, I'm not a tech guy, but that's my belief, uh, because we've been using kind of the same recipes or the same ingredients, totally. uh, while now, with my little understanding of blockchain technology, there is an opportunity to go to a complete new food chain, I'm going to say, and and use completely new ingredients. Um, It's kind of like when people discovered potatoes from the new world and and you see in corn and oh, we can do a lot of different things that we could not do with just wheat. Yeah. Mm.
2: Was it back in the, oh God, I'm going to sound young, sorry. But I think, was it back in when they said that there was going to be flying cars in 2020? Yeah. But then you think like, okay, the technology to do a flying car would probably be a lot less compared to the technology that exists now. Well, I think now, we'll but.
0: get flying cars before we will get autonomous vehicles on the road because and yeah. we're going off piece. Classic <laughs> me, but I'm going to see it through. Because if you think there's like, there's only really one axis that you can turn on it as a car, right? Left, right, mm-hmm. forward, backwards. But in the sky, between like 10,000 and 20,000 feet, where there's not many planes, you can do all sorts of crazy manoeuvres. We've all seen Star Wars, right? Pod <laughs> racing, you know, like... That will probably happen sooner, and now I don't even know what we're talking about <laughs> on this tangent. But, but you know, but,
1: but I don't on a, just about that. What is um, what I find crucial about innovation is yes, it may happen sooner or no. Mm-hmm. I do believe that the technology for flying cars is existing. We could do that, but it's a matter of market. Sorry, yeah. sorry to just be a CFO and a <laughs> finance guy. We want you all late, <laughs> yeah, but. The, um, the innovations, globally speaking, yes, there will be cool stuff and whatever. But generally speaking, the innovations will be executed on where there is money, yep. where there is a market where there are people who, are, who will say, okay, it's worth me investing, not spending, mm. um, uh, investing hundred dollars or ten thousand whatever it is to get that piece because that will improve my business. I will get a return on investment. I'm sorry for being a little narrow minded on this one. <laughs> Just but but this is this is how businesses have been run for yeah. centuries now. Yeah. Um and, and I do believe that yes there is innovation for cool stuff and and there are things that matter way more than money clearly and And things like healthcare, for example, is not what I'm saying does not apply to healthcare Mm -hmm. to the way I hope healthcare should be as Mm -hmm. a French guy. Um, (laughs) uh, But um, but the innovations will go and will be delivered where there is the money. Mm -hmm. So if you had a market, if you had people Mm -hmm. saying yes, it's really worth spending. I don't know how much it would cost to develop flying cars, <laughs> but spending 10 billion or whatever, and there will be a market and I have a return on investment. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you would have flying cars yesterday or two mm.
0: years from now. That is
2: true. Because
0: I think like it's interesting that we've, that analogy's turned out to be quite useful, love tangents, but um, <laughs> it's, it's what we're doing with the advertising market, right? You have the Web2 advertising market, which is half a trillion dollars right now. It's a lot of money. And there are obvious ways that you can improve it using Web3. So I don't think it's so much like moving Web2 onto Web3. It's using Web3, parts of Web3 to improve Web2 until there's like parity between like what you're doing on Web2 and what the promise of Web3 is. And then it just is Web3. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're you're giving back to it to bring the market to where it needs to be. So then it's obvious to hop across onto this new platform, which is Web3 because there's no big step up, you know? I do believe that
1: there is um, there is various axes yeah. for what we can do. The first one and the immediate one is to use Web3 blockchain technology to make Web2 better. Yeah. The second one, if I'm going back to my audience point of earlier, mm-hmm. the second one is that I'm convinced that the same as the audience, you, for you it may sound crazy, but back in 98 when we were saying a double click audience is going to switch from TV to web, people would not believe us. They would say, no, but why? It's just to send emails or whatever. Um, I'm convinced that, I don't know how quickly, I don't know to what extent, but a significant portion of the audience is going to switch from the web and the social networks into web three environments. Which web three environment specifically, whether it will be sandbox or whatever, I don't know, but it will happen. And again, before because there will be an audience, there will be ad advertising money that will be spent there. Mm. And I believe that we as a as a group of people have a role to play into making that happen.
0: Totally. Because I think you're you're making me think now. And it's like for me, like web three is a technology, but it's also a change in behavior, right? Mm. So like you see Platforms like Patreon, which is like uh, I got into it because of stand-up comedians. This, this is when you start to lose me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me no, try. No, and stick with me. <laughs> so, with Patreon, basically, like I, I've got a comedian that I love, is called Tim dylan He has some content on his YouTube channel, but then he has additional content on Patreon, which Spons is behind a Tim Dillon. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'd love to be on your podcast, mate.
0: <laughs> Behind a paywall. And that means that when you're paying behind his paywall, he's not going to get taken down by YouTube for swearing. He can kind of talk about what he wants to because the people that are listening to it Mm. get who he is. So, like, there is this kind of value exchange is that I think what he says is funny. I want to hear Tim Dillon as if I was in his audience at a show. I will pay $5 a month to listen to that. And And that, to me, is a very Web3 behavior. And they don't
2: they do that you pay and then... Uh, you also get access to like their merch, yeah, stuff exactly like that, which that, also yeah. exists with a web 3, in a web three construction. But in a sense, people are doing that transaction totally. That's completely mirrored in a web three transaction, but there's just potentially more what people view as more bar- barriers to entry, but they're actually doing it.
0: Yeah, it's like you're, people are prepared to spend money on things that they deem valuable, mm. not just. Because for me, like, some of the social platforms allowed us to all become very lazy. You know, like, I used to have to go to five websites to read content, and now it's just one app. And I think that really stopped you being a your own curator of content. You kind of pass that off to an algorithm somewhere. So, like, bringing back that ownership <clears throat> is kind of one of the premises of Web3, right? You own stuff online. Whether that's whether you're just choosing content today on Patreon, and in the future it'll be choosing whatever it is you want to own an NFT ownership data, you name it, using these web three Rails. It's like the behavior you're starting to see it already. Like these early adopters, they don't even know their web three yet per se. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of see it in the way that people are changing their behaviors. Like well, yeah.
2: <laughs> I,
1: no, I, I find it I find it extremely interesting to think about the um the the, the change um that the technology will uh, ignite yeah. within people. Um, I find it f- interesting, you're saying, um, um, like becoming our own creator again, or mm-hmm. something like that. It, it, it's interesting to see how we have, I'm going to use subcontracted, sorry again for being a kind of a finance guy, but we have subcontracted a lot of our work to AI, yeah, mm-hmm. and for many, many, many reasons, this is AI is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it's it's helping in many many areas. But it's a good reminder that we should be in control. And just like something that is interesting with Web three um, mm-hmm. theories or or concepts is that you you remain the owner of your data, you remain the owner of your life, kind of, and and this is something that. Maybe there was a little bit, or there has been a little bit of a black mirror effect mm. uh, with, with the web, the way it's moved. Um, clearly, anyway, I was pretty young, <laughs> even still. Uh, in, in the late 90s, I had not foreseen, I had not foreseen any of the things that happened later. Um, <coughs> but, but it's interesting to see that thanks to this, um, not only technical innovation, but really the, the, the new practices that are being put in place, um to to hopefully go back to something that is a little more sane
0: yeah
2: i do i do think from what i've seen and studied in terms of like media but also there's always a transitional moral panic with any new thing in media with whether that be a web shift like when you think about how big computers used to be and what they actually were used for compared to how we use media now there's always a there's some kind of transitional moral panic over it so for example you know you speak to i'll speak to my parents and say talk about crypto um using crypto coins for payments for example and they go oh god i couldn't do that it's so corrupt and then i just see them go through a normal website and pay with apple pay or visa and in my mind i just think obviously that as for them it's a reputable brand and that's what it's become but the transaction for me is no different but there's sort of this like again I say moral panic around a new thing that's too scary and I couldn't possibly do anything with it particularly when it comes to money I suppose but
0: yeah yeah yeah, because the the current kind of fractional reserve system of money is a belief system right It's I believe at some point if I wanted to someone would give me my as it says on the notes we were talking about this yesterday you know (laughs) like I the bearer of this note is owed five pounds of what you know like it used to be the gold standard where you could go trade it for your little tiny bit of gold but like that is now a belief system so Mm. when there is something that challenges that existing belief system people do react in a different way it can be good can be bad it's just like how strong is your conviction the courage of your conviction in an alternative system to what currently exists today and i think that is something that is very true of everyone that works at alchemy is that you might not be an expert in defy liquidity protocols and how you swap from x to y but we all fundamentally believe that there is an alternative system to the existing one that can improve upon the existing one and ultimately replace it right that is why we are in the crypto and blockchain space because we are partly all of us contrarian to some degree and like that is the difference to me it's like are you prepared to have your belief system challenged if yes great we want to talk to you if no We'll come back to you in a minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, f- here's what we think right now. If you don't believe me, we're going to keep working, and then we can show you again. You know, and I think that's what everyone in the office does. Yeah,
1: two things to complement that is the the I told you about the uh, my my need my urge to be in a company that is on the frontier that you don't know what's going to happen on the other side of here. I realized that because I've I I've witnessed myself doing that kind of not consciously, but now. You know, if you keep repeating doing the same things, then, you know, it's part of your behavior and it's part of your personality. So I I, I know it's part of me and I do believe sincerely that it's part of pretty much every individual mm. in the team. Um, and the other uh, thing that you meant, you kind of touched is um, the prove me wrong concept yeah. that is one of the values that you presented me Um and I, I love that in team is that we are willing to be and ready to be challenged in a in a I'm not sure I'm going to use the proper English term but a good willing way. Mm-hmm. I, I would say bienveillance in French, uh, where where people are gonna challenge you or prove you wrong or whatever, but 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 just to help make the idea better, make the process better, um, and and just improve things. Um, and and absolutely not to be to show off to together. And I, I've started to witness that a, a little <coughs> bit already, and this is crucial for me, and I think we're very lucky to have that in our DNA um, as a company. And maybe it's because we are in that world of, you know, we want to prove wrong to other players not to be cocky or... Um, can I use that word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You can laughs> swear uh, if you want me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, or pretentious, <laughs> but 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 just kind of uh, naively almost, just to make things better because we're happy when everybody is working in a better environment and 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 is happier and gets more for their the money that they spend and that that's really that that's really gonna part of the the reasons why. We we want to um, again make things a little bit better.
0: I, I, I even, it's happened to me this week, right? Like I have been saying to people, like I haven't really, I don't think that brands have particularly done NFTs very well. You know, like the that not compared to like the cult status that some like Web three brands like Doodles, Board Apes, whatever. It's been like
2: a checklist, right? Yeah,
0: but then I found a dashboard that showed how much money brands had made from NFT projects Mm. and like Nike won heads and shoulders need $200 million, which is insane. But like people are making money, not people, brands are making money from creating NFTs. So that just like proved me wrong. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just double down. You know, like that makes a lot of sense to me now. I was facetiously saying it's because no no one's tweeting about these that they're crap. Basically that's just not true. You know, like the, the first iteration of them maybe hasn't been great, but they are still, Proving to be profitable to these businesses, so why wouldn't we now want to? Okay, okay. What can we do in that space now? You know, like.
2: And I think you. I think I kind of get where you're coming from in a sense that I think what you don't recognize is when you look at a lot of Web3 um, NFT projects, there's a lot of delivery that goes into it. So in terms of like, you do see a lot of noise. You do see a lot of them promoting themselves, particularly on Twitter, and you're likely in the crypto NFT atmosphere. Mm. But I do think what the the bonus that they had ig like i i like nike etc they had the brand awareness yeah they didn't have to sell it they just they had people that they knew audiences that were interested in nfts and it, it also i think showed a sort of hunger for it i suppose
0: particularly yeah because there was there was also another stat on there was like the number of transactions that had taken place in each of these wallets that minted for a specific nft And I was actually very surprised by the number of first time transactions in these wallets as a mint, which means that this is a net new user that has done nothing in crypto except for mint and Nike NFT, Mm. which is adoption. You know, that's no other way of putting it. That is just straight up adoption for people that wouldn't have done it had it not been Nike. So it's pretty cool.
1: Mili, you mentioned the word audience. So I think it's fantastic, really fantastic, if the audience of this big, large, Consumer brands mm. is leveraged to move people from outside to inside the Web3 mm. ecosystem, mm-hmm. and and that is going to come. Um, I have again, I have no doubt that it's not it's not that Web and social media, TikTok, whatever is going to disappear. It's gonna simply lose market share. There is still totally. TV. Yeah. yeah, there there is still radio. There is still mm. newspapers. All of that, the, the, the medias have been added up, piled up one on top of the other. So it's going to be another uh, um, piece of audience. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why there is still room to grow, that's, um, I'm taking that a little, little far, okay, But uh, is because there has been, I believe, it, there has been so much productivity gain um, yeah. in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. that we have spare time Mm. And as True. human beings, we cannot just sit around and look at a spot on the wall. We, yeah. need, we need something a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I do believe that there are, there is going to be more productivity gains that are going to come. True. We're going to have more spare time mm-hmm. um, and, and we need to use that. And that's going to create to Just to um, image my point a li- little further, um, I don't know, a, a thousand years ago, if you wanted to have lunch, you needed to, you know, either go hunting for half a day. <laughs> or yeah. No, but I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You needed to go in the woods to cut woods uh, and so on. And just having food was kind of a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Right now, you need to have lunch. You go to whatever app you want to use. You put in your credit card 15 minutes later or maybe less. You get something that is delivered that you can eat
2: it's even like gorillas how their promise is that i think it was gorillas or um get which was um that they could deliver groceries quicker to you than you you actually going to the shop and collecting them yourself and if they didn't you got a code for a money off that's (laughs) that's how over-efficient (laughs) <laughs> and do you know
0: what this is like this is where my mind blows a little bit like this is why i think WALL-E is literally like a prediction of the future because <laughs> yeah. like i don't know if you saw those new nuclear cruise liners that fly in the air they no. look like the spaceships from, yeah, from by and large from oh, really? Wally, yeah and then also like what is like the food being delivered very quickly you end up on the ship just kind of laying in your and become round bird, blobs, yeah. yeah. You can yeah. fed your milkshakes. in it, you know. Milk and God. that's it's Huel, right? We digress. It's, we yeah. digress. <laughs> yeah.
1: But but to the the Wally, the way I see that, yeah. I, I exactly see what what you refer to you, when when you were talking about curated content. Yeah, I for me, this is an analogy of also to go a little bit further on that Wally movie. I don't know what the intention was, but <laughs> my one of the understandings that I had was that the uh, what they are fed is also kind of the information flow yeah. that mm-hmm. we are fed through curated content and becoming lazy. Mm-hmm. This is why I believe that, I don't know how it is in the UK, but in France, they insisted to keep teaching philosophy to kids who are 17, 18 yeah, years okay, old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is crucial. I'm, I'm We're going very far from Alchemy, mm. but <laughs> that's okay, I hope. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is crucial that um, we, we keep teaching this ability to the kids and to the generation to be able to <laughs> think on their own and to be critical, totally. not in a mean way. Again, kind of what I said about being a good, willing, and caring and, and uh, way, but to be able to criticize and have a personal view on things and not just be fed shit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, um, uh, whether it's food shit like that you eat or or thinking shit that yeah. you don't digest because you
0: you become lazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, so, yeah, one of the values is, like, go find five reasons why your idea is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you can, it probably is wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you actually diligently go and find five reasons why it's wrong and you can't find them, you probably know you're onto something good because yeah. the opposite's not true. If you have a good idea and you try and find five reasons why it's right that's why some people think the earth's flat. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like you, yeah. can, you can make it up so it makes sense. But like when they're presented with something critical, yeah, that is difficult to just do as a human being. It's quite unnatural. But yeah, it's something that we strive to do pretty much every single day with yeah. everything we do is just just go out and try and prove yourself wrong. and would be quite surprised at the results.
2: Hence how we've come to this philosoph- philosophical conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got there in the you end.
0: Um, so yeah, I think to to round off our point we're very excited that vincent's joined us he's a cfo and a philosopher yeah, so a we're blessed lessons, he's yeah like <laughs> really creating something from nothing as we do <laughs> at alchemy you know so thanks for joining vincent we're looking forward to working with you in the future and thank you to everyone for listening
2: yeah cheers thank you bye, bye. <laughs>